for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. It's here, the G.I. Joe collection. Infantry Trooper. Codename Grunt. Bazooka Soldier. Codename Zap. Motor Soldier. Codename Short Fuse. Laser Rifle Trooper. Codename Flash. Ranger. Codename Stalker. Communications Officer. Codename Breaker. Machine Gunner. Codename Rock and Roll. Counterintelligence. Codename Scarlet. Commando. Codename Snake Eyes. Each sold separately. G.I. Joe from Hasbro. Welcome to another exciting edition of Near Mint Comic Radio, your local comic shop shrunk down, gamma radiated with both its parents, tragically killed before its eyes, and aired live every week, only on the non-productive network, the only place it would have us. I'm your host, Frank, joined in studio by Al. And we have that special. We have been teasing you all episode long. First strike. Al, you were the first to tell me about this, this, this IDW event. Give me a little bit of background on exactly what's going on with IDW and these Hasbro lines. Okay, so about a year ago, uh, Hasbro decided to create the Hasbroverse, as as it were. Uh, <laughs> Hasbroverse. <laughs> basically, uh, you know, catching on with the whole uh, multiple, uh, what is it, uh, the fran- shared continuity yeah, kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. the shared universe the fran- that franchises love to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they jumped on that, like, as Mar- it's going to be working for Marvel and, you know, other stuff and so on and so forth. Has it worked for anyone else? It's worked for Marvel. I'm, I feel like it's worked. That's it. I feel yeah, like it's worked yeah. for Marvel. <laughs> I think that I think that's the big one. Yeah. Uh, we don't see a lot of like successful shared universes outside of that. Oh, all right. I'll yeah. put some thought into it. But so yes. yeah, last year they started with uh, the the event Revolution, which collided uh, GI Joe, Mask, Transformers, Micronauts, Action Man, Rom the Space Knight, um, into one giant shared universe, and it was through this big event. Again, it was called Revolution. And it was very poorly received because it lacked a lot of focus and like there wasn't really it was a lot. It was a mess Um, from what I from what I read. And I agree it was kind of a mess. But my thinking was, okay, we did it. That was that this was always going to be a mess. There was no band aid off. Yeah, there was no gentle way of combining all of these guys together. Um, There was no way of like saying, oh, we have these little tiny people that can possess technology. Let's go through all the people that we have. Because uh, only some of these are familiar to me, and I'm like probably core demographic, right? Yep. I've got expendable income because nobody cares about me, and I have no one to care for. <laughs> I have uh, deep roots in '80s and '90s nostalgia. Yeah. Um, I only enjoy things that I'm familiar with. <laughs> this is like this is me all over. Um, yep. So first, we've got Transformers. Right. Gi- I mean, come on, giant robots from Cybertron. And IDW has been doing great with Transformers. They are amazing books. Yeah. Yeah, and. Doing well. G.I. Joe was even a franchise they've been doing well with before, but this was and it was a little awkward to try and merge them together because you have all Hail Megatron in the back from way, way back in IDW Pass. And you're kind of curious, where was G.I. Joe during that? Well, we fudged that a little bit and come out with a reason for continuity and why it works out. G.I. Joe joins the universe. But I think those two and they're the two big heavy hitters, obviously, in this. Obviously, the two franchises that are the most popular today. Yeah. Um, they, we've, we've seen them playing in each other's sandbox enough where, okay, they, they interact somehow. They interact somehow. It it works. So, okay. Those are the two that we've, we've established pretty well. What else is in there? Um, we have mask mask mask. Does it have any presence in the modern age? No, nothing. It had nothing. It had literally nothing. And I'll give credit where credit is due. 
where they tried to finagle how Mask got in here. And for those that don't know, Mask was a toy line where you had dudes with masks that had special powers. Yeah. And they drove cars that transformed into other vehicles. Or they drove vehicles that transformed into other vehicles. Yeah. And the way they finagle Mask existing is by saying that, oh, well, the villain, uh, Miles Mayhem, took Cybertronians and, like, finagled their, like, reverse engineered their biostructure into his vehicles. And Which is horrific <laughs> how it plays out in this comic book. Six issues, and not counting all the ancillary books, which we actually do not. I don't think we've read. Did no, you read and, are, those? And, no. and are all uh, from uh, from what from what I've read are side stories that don't have anything to do with the main story. Okay, so they are indeed to supplemental material. They don't pertain to the main story going on. They're what other characters are doing while this is happening. We're go- we're going to talk about Miles uh, in a little bit and about what he does to Transformer bodies. Because uh, it shows up in one of these issues. Right. But, okay, so, yeah. And effectively, Mask was a toy line. Yeah, like you said, there were vehicles that became combat vehicles. So, a regular tractor trailer would suddenly have missiles in a silo coming out of the back. Right. You know, but, uh, I don't know. I guess trying to do the two things, uh, toys, uh, two big things toys try to do at the time, or three. One is, like, cars. Kids like to play with cars. Two is military. Kids like to play with things that fight things. Yep. And three was transforming. So there we go. And of course there's crime fighting in there. So yeah. All right, cool. Mask. And th- so it, it, these three thus far, in my opinion, work. You can yeah. have those three exist, especially the way you did it. Yeah. Then we get to the other stuff, Let's which is like with the little guys. Yeah. I owned Micronauts. I don't know if you ever owned any Micronauts. I did not. I did. I have no clue what their backstory is. So I, they, the toy itself, they were small. They were, I guess, three quarter. I don't remember how. I don't no, know. No, they were three quarter. I think they were just a little bit smaller than that. Yeah, they, they were th- and they had like little magnet joints. Yeah, so that you could actually rearrange their body parts and become different things. Uh, that's the toy. I don't. Again, the plot line. I don't know. So, from uh, what I understand from IDW, is that Micronauts are like again, they're aliens, and. They have this, they're very small, as we even see in First Strike. They're just these tiny aliens. And but they can do is they can possess technology oh. and sort of become that thing that they're inside of. They have a plot, or one of the main villains of the Micronaut series, Baron Karza, had us a plot had a plot to take over the world. Ah. Uh-huh. And he did that through possessing a Cybertronian and doing whatever, basically. That was one of the many plots going on in that story. Many, one of the many plots that take over the world. They were all taking place at the same time. <sighs> right. So okay. that's how they got into this universe was, I, oh, we just tried to take over the world. Because that, that yeah, makes sense. We're, we're here, and that's what we could do. I don't, think, I don't think that was part of any of their original backstory. Um, I don't even know if it was. Who knows? I, I, I'm, I'm sure there were comic books. There were video games. I think... I don't know if I don't think there was an animated series for it. And this is a 70s toy. Yeah. So this was kind of before we had like half hour long commercial blocks that were children programming, yeah. you know, exclusively. So I don't know if there was that much. And it wasn't a Hasbro toy. Not it was the time, da- no. No, it, Hasbro came along way late. I think like a few years ago. Yeah. They may have bought the license. So, ah. Uh, all right. Okay, cool. I think it was a Mego. I think it was Mego originally. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So, anyways. Micronauts, cool, whatever. Yeah, little dudes that possess yeah, technology. Sure, they, you you found a way to put them in. And who's the last group we no, have? We have two more after this. Oh, we have co- Action Man, Action Man, who was like some weird translation of the UK iteration of a uh, GI Joe comics because they had an Action Force. Okay, and not to I, be confused with Captain Action. No, which was a like a 
spy kind of superhero guy. All right. Yeah. Although he is also exactly that. Yes. Yeah. So, but Action Man was just, yeah, he was like some weird British, ver- not necessarily weird, but this British translation of the G.I. Joe comics after, you know, they were like, oh, let's not stick to the what the Americans are doing. Right. We have our own hero now. And like, that's who he was in, in this universe. They just have him as like, oh, I'm some, I'm essentially a superhero. He's got like some like, apparently from what I understand, like he's superhuman in some aspect or another due to some right. semblance of an experiment. He has like the Captain America backstory yeah, from effectively, what I understand. I guess so. I yeah. don't even remember him in this book. No, I do remember them mentioning it. I, I know he has some part in it, but it's, he's not a major, because he doesn't, it's not a, a line, it's not even a line that American audiences, not that this is exclusively for American audiences, right. but so many of these toys are like mainstream, originally American toys, yep. or at least... There's really no way of saying the sentence that makes any sense because these aren't even American toys. Some of these started off as Japanese. All right, there's, fine. we there's could be got, here forever talking yeah, about the origins right. of where these things came from. All right, and then who is our last? Rom the Space Knight, who had a singular toy and then a very long, um, very worthwhile history in Marvel Comics. Right. So this was a famous collaboration between Hasbro and Marvel. Yeah. Uh, mostly to sell a comic book line, maybe also for a cartoon show that probably never re- got realized. No. Uh, and that well, toy. Yeah, yeah. The toy. And it was just about him, like, fighting what I think are, like, wraiths. Dire wraiths. Dire wraiths, yeah. yeah. And yeah. they um, look like they more or less either kill or just get biomass from other people and, like, then they become them. And, like, that was the whole plot of the story in the Marvel comics. And eventually what happened in Revolution it was one of the many attempts in Revolution to take over the world was the Dire Wraiths, and that was the reason why Rom the Space Knight shows up on Earth. And Yeah. And Dire Wraiths are still a major part in Marvel Comics, and I guess also IDW. I don't know how the legalities of that worked out. That's know. interesting. But they're yeah, they are major players. The whole Transform Rom and the Transformers is a comic line now where they're going around <sighs> to fighting Transform uh, trying to fight in Dire Wraiths. The the weird thing about the Dire Wraiths, first of all, they always kind of look like owlbears to me. Yeah. Like hairless owlbears. Yeah. Or featherless owlbears. I don't know if that makes that makes it any more clear to anybody listening to this. I feel like there's a lot of cross sectionality between D and D players and people who are listening to this comic book podcast but um so odd rom himself and the space knight thing there's something odd going on with the legalities of this where like certain aspects of this can be used in marvel comics i think space knights I think Space Knights still exist in Marvel Mar- Comics. But Rom doesn't. Yeah, Rom's no longer there. I think that's the there. way it is. Yeah. And Rom himself is no longer a robot. He's like a human? He was, from what I understand, he was, he's an alien or like a humanoid of one kind or another. He's an alien that like went under surgery and like, you know, cyborged himself up in uh-huh. order to go fight diorates. Okay. And that was I, the whole Space Knight thing was, I, oh, we're going to go kill the diorates. And I think they reversed that at some point recently in the comics or uh, somehow, but that is not important because Rom and the Space Knights barely <laughs> appear in First Strike. So let's go right into First Strike. Yep. The the concept is, I, I can't believe I'm about to say this word, simple? Um, it actually is. Yeah. It should be, it, it's a very good, like, it's, uh, and that was what was appealing to me because we got so far away from Revolution. I felt like that was it. That was, the, as you said, tearing of the Band-Aid. We merged all the worlds together. And, you know, it wasn't seamless, and right. I, at no point did I think it was going to be, right. but that was it. We did it. And then this was the their chance to tell a event comic that involved everybody right. and do it well. That flowed, right. Yeah. So the basic concept is Optimus has um, annexed Earth 
as to as part of the protectorate of the cyber of Cybertron, partially because, or not entirely because, of the Dire Wraith invasion that had just happened. Yeah. So we are going to protect Earth, uh, and obviously many humans are uh, wary of that because these are giant alien robots. And also during you know All Hell Megatron, these giant alien robots came in and wiped out a huge amount of the population. In fact, what Transformers are pretty much known for doing is having civil wars that destroy planets. Yes. So they were not happy about this. The promise of this book is in First Strike is Baron Ironblood? Was that it? Yeah. Baron Ironblood has decided that the Transformers are an alien threat that needs to be hit before it becomes real. It's it's them or us. We have to hit them first or else we are going to be exterminated when their peace eventually dissolves and they go into a civil war phase again. These giant ancient alien robots. So it's a terrorist attack. Iron Blood gets a group of villains together. They are kind of a loose cadre of people. We actually see how they are gathered together throughout. Really in- interestingly, at the end of every issue, yep. they have like a couple pages that shows how this group really got together. And they perform a insurgency in Cybertron to attempt to effectively destroy uh, all Transformers. And what spoiler that is immediately revealed, because it was a spoiler in some other book, uh, Baron Ironblood is, in fact, Joe. And he's actually Joe Colton, the original G.I. Joe. And what and I'll say this. This There's another problem with this book is that First Strike and this is IDW all over distribution problems is that First Strike wound up coming out before a lot of its other uh, books. So. Before we knew a lot of the stuff, especially about Iron Blood being Joe Colton, like a lot of this we didn't know. Uh, that's awful. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Because uh, it's not revealed in any sort of special way. In no, this book. it's not. Yeah, yeah, GI Joe really and Transformers and all these books were still reaching up to First Strike by the time First Strike came out. Wow. That's just a, by hiccups in publication and delays. So yeah. at this point, we're still like a pretty concisive story. Humans are definitely underpowered in this relationship. And when you have two big governments or two organizations that are up and up against each other, terrorism is going to be one of the ways uh, the weaker pow- power exerts itself. Seems interesting. I don't know. The first issue was an interest. It was it was a good concept. It worked. It, it, it stepped out on a solid foot. And I'll say this about uh, issue one: it does a really good job. If I'm a fresh reader, um, and maybe you know this better than I do, actually, because I follow this universe a little bit better. But like, it seemed to me that it it introduced you to the universe well enough that you got the situation of where essentially everybody was, what the situation the planet was in. And you could kind of pick up. You didn't necessarily need to go back and read any issues. Like, no, no, I got what's happening. I was disappointed by how much was left vague, but I didn't, I wasn't completely confused. So, for example, I have no idea how Starscream ended up becoming the supreme leader of Cybertron. (laughs) Uh, I also don't understand what Optimus's role is, because he seems to be sort of right alongside him as maybe the actual leader, like as if one has political power, the other one has actual authority. I don't know, but you got the relationship at least. And if you're short of blanking out your, your slate, I think this is probably the best they could have done. Yeah, with with their issue one. And it, uh, uh, how did Starscream become the supreme leader? Is there a <sighs> non convoluted? All right, that no, it's, it's not, it is non convoluted. But like, I will say this: it is 
it's it was a prediction of the 2016 election before <laughs> before it actually happened. That's awesome. That's worth that's worth digging into and reading. All right, cool. Uh, so yeah, I mean, the first issue is pretty okay with establishing the motivation and the reason why all this is happening. There's even some com- there's some interesting visuals. The yeah. Trojan horses that all the the um the ninjas. The many, many, many red ninjas were stuffed into these giant robots that were walking around. They were just stuffed full of ninja. I don't know how to put this. And that's pretty good 80s cheese, in my opinion. Yeah, it is. It is. There's a a decent little bit of mask in there with it's just like, imagine this, though, from a Transformers perspective. You are a Transformer. You are an alien race of robots that you're sentient. You don't think of yourselves as robots. You think of yourselves as these sentient beings and you're in a, you're sort of on uh, in like the great lawn of your capital. There's a political speech going on. And next to you, there are a bunch of other people who are kind of like weird. <laughs> they're just sort of lumbering there. They're not making eye contact. They're not making friendly smiles or anything. They're just sort of got trench coats and they look like they're uh, like they're going to be sick, maybe, but very like blank stares on their faces. And then suddenly their stomachs open up and out come many little people who come and somehow kill all these giant tra- all these other transformers they're just like they're brutalizing the citizenry i guess the citizenry aren't like these powerful yeah they're not like battles. warriors or anything so just- if, again if if you or i like all of a sudden looked over and like dude burst open and like a thousand red spiders jumped out of there like i'm freaking out i'm not exactly i'm yeah. not reaching for any weapons like that's it i'm done yeah so it was an interesting uh scenario uh, i think we're the book starts to lose itself is how much of these ancillary things don't pay off at all yeah so rom's entire existence the rom the rom space knight story arc is effectively quarantining uh cybertron yep. so cybertron is caught all uh they, they're swarming with ninjas they've got a human insurgency that they have to deal with uh, so Starscream turns off the uh, space bridge that would connect them to the rest of the universe. And when they're trying to get some help to deal with this, uh, the, uh, Rom, the Rom space patrol people, I'm going to call them Paul Patrol because they, <laughs> they did not appear in this book. They say that there are dire wraiths uh, amongst the uh, insurgency. So we're quarantining Cybertron. And that's it. That is it. It's all he's got, like, and it's not even like there. And they very clearly established that there aren't any. That they're just there's some signal or whatever that's being fed to the spaceship just so this can happen. And that right. is their only role is to quarantine the planet. Now, Rom is actually actually in the cover page of every issue of this book. Yes, and it established in I believe issue one, if not two. Rom's the the space knights are there only to say this is the reason we're not here so think about that for a minute they're they're advertised as this is part of the shared universe experience and their role in the shared universe is to be excluded from the shared <laughs> it's that is i think indicative of the flaws in yeah. this series like because you didn't really need to and in my opinion there was no really need to involve everybody you could have let some people go right like even the uh sort of one-off that we get a action man villain that we just kind of talk to in one of the issues we didn't need no like we could have just caught up and like hey storm shadows here that's yeah we're going with that whatever sergeant savage is brought up 
uh, towards the end of the series. Yeah. Uh, Sar- Sergeant Savage and his Screaming Eagles uh, as a backstory part for, for Joe. I, it's okay. It's very weird, though, because it's a toy line that came out after G.I. Joe. Well yeah. after G.I. Joe. So uh, I, I get it. They're trying to tie it into the World War II, and they're trying to keep Joe somehow more relevant. It, it's just very awkward. Yeah. Lots of awkward moments in the book. Um, even things that I'm kind of turning around on. So you take the Micronauts, also barely in the story at all. Effectively, there's one villain. Yeah. Right? And her role is to possess a Transformer so that the villains have a Transformer with them. Yeah. Now, I could almost justify this now because the villain's motivation is very genocidal versus Transformers. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to have an evil Transformer hanging out with the evil guys... It doesn't make a lot of sense unless you have a very self-destructive Transformer or if that Transformer is really just possessed by a little guy, <laughs> magic or something. Um, I'm okay with it, but it's it's barely there. Yeah, and apparently she's there so that she can do something with the planet that, uh, spoilers, we don't actually ever find out what that was supposed to be. Yeah. But she was supposed to, hey, you do stuff with technology. You're going to have to, we need you to do something we to the core. We need for this, but and maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Were there any highlights for you in this story? I'm going to say I love for whatever problems we have with her presence. I like her and the rest of the villains in that when we get to hang out with them Mm -hmm. and Joe Colton's like attempts at trying to rally them together to work as a team. (laughs) Right. Are like there's just all these egos clashing because they're all like essentially despots that want to take over the world, right? And like he's banded them together to go like oh, let's blow this place up so that we can so you guys can go back to doing what you do and I can go back to doing what I do, right? 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 Uh, yeah, yeah. I think the villains uh, and their banter work a lot better than the heroes' banter. Yep. Um, the storm shadow, the new storm shadow, and I forgot the name of whoever the. The Micronaut uh, characters. I think her Yeah, Shahrazad, maybe. Uh, their ba- their connections were kind of fun. Destro was good, and Mayhem was really, was really interesting. Mayhem he was and, fun. Yeah. He, he was, was genuinely fun. Yeah. And so we talked about this a little earlier. Seeing him idly dismantling the head, the severed head, the severed yet still living head of a Transformer to experiment on, and one of the backstories was disturbing and funny in a way that I didn't expect. And I love how Joe in that scene is also just kind of like, oh my God, can you just shut it up? Do you have like a way to turn it off? Because yeah. it's it's indicative of like, it doesn't register to him, oh, these are people. Right. Like it very clear to him, it just like they're robots, therefore they're machines. And I'm a big fan of uh, taking American icons and, you know, challenge them. Because when American icons that are tied into the military, you got to, I think you have to, eventually like look at it and say is this something bad is this something extreme is this something that can be taken the wrong way because it can be obviously in the real world um i don't know if this book did a good job with joe like to me it felt like i don't believe that this is the same gi joe i get that he has a very real point in that these giant aliens can wipe out humanity yeah and there's a real threat but then there are there are cartoon there's 90s x-men cartoon we must stop the mutants and it doesn't feel like from a from a vague <laughs> government character it doesn't feel genuine yeah and then there's like modern x-men movies or, or or comic books where it's like you know humans do have a point 
You could you could watch The Gifted, for example, and you're like, yeah, it's dangerous. Yeah. It is very dangerous. You could at least debate whether or not, you know, that that side, the opposition, is correct. And here, it's I get that Transformers are a threat, but I really just feel like Joe's a complete jerk when he's casually like, "Can you mute the the Transformer you're torturing?" Yeah, feels like this doesn't seem like. I mean, all the flack we've given to Captain America in recent books with the Captain Hydra phase. At least there was an attempt to show the the duality and the struggle between turning heel. Yeah, Joe turned heel, and it was just like I'm a heel. That's it. I'm I'm bad. And like, and it sucks because I feel like he has a point. He absolutely one hundred ten percent. There is a valuable point in there. It's yeah. Just they don't if quite the, get it. if they because he even says at one point in the book, if they turn on us, it's over. Right. We we will not survive. That's it. And, like, there's a no-win scenario there. They're 30 feet freaking tall, and their technology is, you know, centuries of past ours. And, I, again, it makes a point. But to sit there and, like, there's so many scenes in there where he will even – he's having conversations or he's talking with the other guys. And it feels like, you know, I'm knowing what I'm doing. I'm, it's, it's horrible. But, you know, it comes down to it's, if it's them or us, I'm, I'm choosing us every single time. Then we immediately go to a scene where it's like, I just kill that guy. I don't care. Yeah. Like, and it's just like, oh yeah, kill that dude. It's over not there. consistent. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, and there's a lot of that. And I think that's why the heroes come off worse in this. Yeah. Because the heroes, when they're non-consistent, like say when they're facing a threat and they're making jokes, it feels like the threat isn't real. Yeah. It feels like you're just, you're removing the stakes. I think there's a decent amount of that in this book. Um, they're talking in one of the books. There's uh, there's an ad in the back for an upcoming like Hasbro Toyverse thing, which is I think some sort of cartoony version of this same idea, which I am much more in favor of. I feel like you got to get the tone right in this, yeah. and this is too serious yet not serious enough. It's somewhere not. It's somewhere in the in in the grays. Yeah. I really genuinely, at the end of the day, feel like this is a book that could have been a lot better than it was. And I hate to say it, but it feels like almost like I feel like there's a second hand here than the writers kind of always diving in to make sure, well, this needs to happen. Well, this character needs to be here. And that's why it winds up being such a mess. And the characters that we establish even have intros to why they're joining the team at the end of every issue, like feel better. I mean, we haven't talked about any of the good guys, and they're like, they're the guys we follow from issue one onward. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I can't even, right now, I mean, uh, uh, Scarlet. Yeah. Is pretty significant to me. Yeah. She, and pretty, uh, uh, like, tightly or, uh, characterized throughout. Yeah. But that was it. That's all I could That's really all, yeah, like, there was, apparently, I think there was, like, Lady J, and there was Matt Tracker from uh, Mask, who I barely remember being there, besides, yeah. like, a few times when he's, like, chatting with scarlet right and like scarlet has a good story here my mentor the guy who like who started gi joe who turned me into the person that i am today as leader of gi joe has decided to wholesale genocide entire race yeah there's a lot of complex stuff there and this story avoids it every chance it can as much as possible like it mentions it like that's it that's deep enough like oh yeah this is deep and then don't do anything with it. Like, no, you don't, you don't, you didn't earn that. Yeah. You didn't earn like it being like, no, this is totally deep. And like, but if you're not going to indulge any of and go into it any at all, then all we have is the surface level. You don't get credit for introducing an, a deep idea or concept and then doing nothing with it. Yeah. 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 You gotta, you gotta stick the landing. And that's the, that's 
essential for event books. Yeah. So let's talk about the landing. <laughs> uh, as, oh, as things start building up, Garrison Krieger, who best I can determine actually owns his his origin in, I believe, in Transformer comics. I think you're actually right, yeah. I think he was originally in uh, Transformer comics, although I feel like he could have also been... Um, it's weird because, like, actual... Um, like his his history is blending into everybody else's yeah. in fiction. He's apparently brought in, and in the IDW verse, he's brought in through like some weird backstory of how there were steampunk transformers, and like yeah. there was a whole book series that I didn't read that was, that was involving this character. But whatever, he's from right. World War Two. And in this in this line, he announces he describes that he originally, you know, in during World War Two, he he met Sergeant Savage, and Sergeant Savage is one of the reasons why Joe went into the military. There's a connection there and then his his basic raison d'etre is that magic and science are effectively the same Uh, magic is or science is a bastardization of magic a weaker lesser magic and that real answers can be found in the cosmos etc 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 yeah and uh his his thing is he has this bomb that's going to destroy all the transformers and, and or at destroy least pollute Cybertron. their planet or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Exactly. And as the story reaches its climax, we find that he use with the he wasn't able to destroy Cybertron uh completely, but he was able to channel enough power through the talisman to reach out and recreate his connection to his own world. And he starts talking much more about magic and how magic is really neat. <laughs> and as I'm looking at this, I'm like, I see some of this vision. And I'm like, is this visionaries? I say kind of off the top of my head. And yes, because I vaguely remember visionaries. And yes, he turns out he is he is a main character. He is um, Merklin. <laughs> Which sounds like some geeky version of Merlin. A Merklin. That's probably what they call him. No, he's like some weird, like, evil, like, version of the character, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, And I'm looking at this, and at first, when he was going through, there's a wonderful line in the last issue. There are a lot of good lines. There There are are a lot of good lines. lines. And there's a lot of great line in the last issue. When when anybody's rhyming, it's not good. (laughs) He's rhyming in this magical beam of energy comes out so it's for that toy line visionaries which if you don't remember i'm going to try to remember as much as i can there are these mystic knights they had holograms on various shields and breastplates and stuff yeah uh the holograms somehow it gave them superpowers like if you had a hologram with a wolf in there you had some sort of wolf power as well with yeah. your guy i don't think i don't remember anything else about the toys no i don't remember much besides just they but, had holograms in there like that was it yeah uh, it was a short-lived toy line from Hasbro, and interestingly enough, uh, their backstory is uh, in the alien world of Prismos, uh, whatever, that a technological utopia which was suddenly plunged into a feudal medieval state when the age of science came to an end and the new age of magic began. So someone put a decent amount of effort in an attempt to make this make sense, but only a little bit. Yep. I think the problem here, the core problem with with First Strike is they try too hard. Like, some of these things just didn't have the legs nope. to fit in. And you, you bend and folded and moved a bunch of things, but you, you didn't, it wasn't worth it. No, let's, I mean, let's go over this. Like, there's... There's set up for a team in issue one that we immediately leave some of those characters behind after they all have individual moments to show off to go pick up 
a new team for issue two that kind of carries us into issue three where we have like where they pick up Soundwave and two helicopter twins and like just by trying to follow and keep keep up with this continuity of who's the good guys like and Optimus Prime apparently joins the team like issue four and like we're stuck in political nonsense for like the most the most of that issue where the story just goes to a halt and like it tries to do so much involves so much and like I don't care about the political crap on Cybertron. Like, there's a whole book for that. Yeah. Like, if I, for for the Game of Thrones and robots, like, I'm fine, whatever. But this was supposed to be the, let's go in, guns blazing, and fight the baddies. Right. And that was what it almost was, but they kept trying to make it more to the point that, yeah, even here at the end, it's like, but wait, no, visionaries. Yeah, and it's a setup for a, future visionaries book yeah so i think the strengths in this book are really that if you are engrossed within idw and all these books and they're intertwining this maybe you're enjoying this on a level that is not ironic (laughs) and i get it all right cool more power to you but if you aren't it doesn't make it feel seductive. Like, it doesn't bring no. you in. It doesn't really make you feel like, oh, I can't wait to find out what's going on with these well-established characters. You, I, I, It's almost as if, like, I'm, I'm, I'm clueless as to who was reading this beforehand, who picks this up and says, yeah, no, I totally, I, I was waiting for this to happen. I can say from a person who is trying to follow the Hasbro versus IDW stuff, it does. It's it still falls short. It's right. still from this from this perspective, a person who keeps track of a lot of these things. It, it's just I I really want them to nail event comics because this yeah. is a IDW problem. Like from way back in the day when they like did like I think uh, not just, no they did like Dark Cybertron and stuff like that or Combiner Wars. Like it's just. They can't get it right. It's always so much has to get crammed in. So much has to be accomplished. They need more GoBots. That's the problem. Uh, yeah, essentially. Yeah, we need GoBots in here. And also, another random thing here is that if you didn't pick up issue zero, if the free, like, you know, comic book day issue. Right. Where Krieger even begins to talk about that, the talisman or anything else. If you didn't pick that up. Oh, yeah. That's a complete non sequitur. Yeah. Thing. How do you, like... Six has got to be so confusing. And not, not only that, but knowing what the talisman is at all has got to throw you. So issue one doesn't bring up the talisman? I guess it's it does, weird. but not to the extent that it does in like the issue zero. Wow. Where That's like weird. Krieger sits there and pitches it and says, here, let's take this thing there and we can blow it up. Yeah. And if you don't, if you didn't chance upon that on free comic book day, you're even more lost. Wow. That's interesting. All right. It's time to review. So this is how reviewing works on Near Mint. We rank and review comics from best to worst. That's Mint, Near Mint, Good, Fair, and Poor. So what, Al, would you rank this event series? You know, there's enough good lines in here. I think we've established that. Like, I like all of the banter with them. I like when, uh, miles and Joe are talking and like they had that whole back and forth about what the plan is and what happens if Scarlet gets there. And like, what are you going to do? If, you know, all the plans fall and then she winds up like, well, I trip you and run. <laughs> <laughs> so that's yeah. what happens. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's some decent stuff here. And like, while it's, I would not recommend reading the book. I still think it's fair. It accomplishes all right. enough all right. enjoyment and enough schlock that I'm like, I'm all right. It's uh-huh. you're not good. 
don't don't kid yourself. So now that you here's the thing, you picked this up issue by issue over the months. Yeah. I read it all in one sitting. And I'm and I'm also I got to be honest, I'm part of the problem. I'm this nostalgia freak, so I'm like, <laughs> "Oh wow, oh, visionaries." I was like kind of excited that I picked up on visionaries even though it was a complete non sequitur that kind of ugh. So, I'm actually going to go ahead and give this a good Especially really? if you're the type of person who, like, if you've gotten this far and you're interested in it, you're gonna, you're, there's gonna be some things you're gonna kind of like. If yeah. you're an IDW fan, if you've been reading all these issues so far, I think you'll probably like it a little bit more too. And if you get it all as one collection, I think you'll like it better. Yeah. If you don't have to wait too long. So I'm, I'm gonna, like, I'll nudge it up to good. There's enough good lines in there that make it a good and mayhem. Just his horribleness <laughs> is just worth He's it. He's such a good character. He really, he, God, he almost saves it, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He is probably one of the stronger characters in the book. Actually, that's even weak, because it's not that he is such a well-defined character. He's just that he, um, uh, you know, he's so fun. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, also, at the end of the book, uh, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, we've given spoiler alerts a lot yeah. of times. So I'm assuming you've actually already read it and just want to know our opinion. Um, but yeah, guess who shows up as the ultimate villain? Unicron. Yeah. Which I, he's I, the guy. He's I, the I, only one. Again, I hate to say it, but it's totally one of those moments where I was sitting there reading this book and my reaction was, You didn't earn that. Yeah. <laughs> like, there yeah. was nothing that led into that, but it's like, all right, I'm hoping to God that they do something with it. You're gonna bring in the giant planet-eating robot. Yeah. All right, tell me a good story with this guy, please. Yeah. I'm begging you. Unicron's interesting because I mean, on the one hand, you could just say he is the Transformers because it goes back at the Marvel days. Yeah, the Transformer comics universe, Galactus, right? Yeah, he's the devourer of worlds. But he is much more than that because he is the old for whatever reason he's always been the ultimate bad guy in this franchise. So when he comes out too much or on too weak of a premise, yeah. it really does undermine it does the story. And what's and that's a shame because he has been completely absent from IDW since it's been created, like I think back in two thousand six. Really? Wow. And this is the first panel they have given to this character to even mentioning this character wow and i'm sitting there and i'm like oh god like i'm yeah it is exactly as you're saying it's like no he's got to come with like pomp and circumstance yeah there's got to be some significance to his appearance uh maybe they were hoping that people read this book would want some of those worlds to die <laughs> so like all right good someone to get rid of it uh but yeah it's as I was saying before, it does feel like there's a there's another hand in here, and evidence of that is like you know Margaret Scott, like the writer, like quit after this. She does not want run a write for IDW anymore. Wow! Like her book that her ongoing book uh, Till Hour One was like she said, I'm done. I'm uh, gonna stop, and this is a 12 issue series, and I think I'm maybe we'll come back for an annual every once in a while, but I'm not gonna write this anymore. I'm shocked. First of all, I, I'm I'm pretty surprised because I, I would never have pegged IDW being you know, a bad place to work, although I've heard some issues lately. Yeah. And yeah, to have the writer of your book come out and say, this is, I'm, 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 I'm backing off a little bit. Maybe there was a little bit, but like, what could that possibly have? All right, let's think about this realistically. Yeah. It wasn't for a toy line. It was not like, hey, we really got to move these visionary toys. No. <laughs> right. That, that wasn't it. Yeah. But Transformer Visionaries is coming out. And if they're pushing for the next line, 
I could see where something like this might come out, where it's like, all right, edict from editorial is the story should be arced towards these characters. But even then, it feels like on a six-issue miniseries with a few ancillaries, how do you not know where it's going from the start and just say, yeah, this is this is a story I'm willing to tell as opposed to a story that I just had to. I don't know, but it, it to me, it definitely feels like maybe that was maybe it was pitched in the beginning to be this uh, this uh, this story that they could tell that had to do with just stopping some attempt on Cybertron. And eventually it became a wait a minute. We oh. would really like it if you could do this. Yeah. Can you add some ROM in this? Yeah, and I guess I will add a few pages of ROM in there for no reason. Yeah. Could you, uh, could you, could you bring an Optimus Prime in this story? Because, like, it, again, his presence, while somewhat enjoyable, I still love the how much do you like your paint job line. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's kind of funny. But, like, even so, he seems so, like, doesn't matter here. Right. And yeah. I, there's a, there seems to be a lot of decisions made of we need this character to be present. Could you bring up these things? Could you have a few more of these uh, characters interact? And I'm like, it feels like a story and I that you bit off more than it could chew. And... Ah, uh, it, it's it's it is hamstrung by itself. Yeah, yeah, they definitely did it to themselves. They, they there could have been a, an easier, more fun, looser way of doing it. Yeah. Guys, you've tried to event comics back to back, pretty much. Maybe try a couple of little looser things and see if you could get some legs underneath visionaries or micronauts or whatever. Yeah. Um, I still think there's meat on the bone, but you have to be aware of who you're talking to. And this is like a big writing job. Yeah. Like the, the the fact that visionaries were even tied in through an Azimuth quote. Yeah. Admittedly in a zero issue. <laughs> but like that's pretty good. That is. So uh, kudos to writer. And, and I'll, also, you know. I'll also say this, like for a for a, for a series that boasted as much as it did, like kind of everybody made it out of it. Yeah. Nobody kicked it. Yeah. And Say what you will, maybe that would have taken away some weight. Maybe it wouldn't have. I mean, I can imagine from a writing perspective, maybe I would have liked to, yeah. have, if I'm going to tell something this strong, I'm going to have some weight to... I think there was enough weight with imprisoning yeah. Joe. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think anybody no, needed to I die. I think it was a good job. Yeah. And then the art is actually very f- good. It Throughout, f- I agree. for the most part, it's pretty solid. And, uh, you know, the thing is, it's enjoyable. It's always hard, too, because you, you bring in whatever, when you're dealing with a nostalgia property, you're bringing in your... Your nostalgia, right? Yeah. So if I'm going into this, like most of these Joes, I don't recognize because they're not from my and time who's quick period. kick again. I yeah, but uh, the ones that I do, the Joes or the Transformers that I do, they stick with you. So I don't know. I think good to fair is probably the a pretty accurate reading on this. All right, that was our review of First Strike. Decide for yourselves if you want to pick it up. It's um interesting. It certainly is that. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.